0: Hello and welcome to The Back Check, the hockey history podcast where we evaluate the cases of NHL players for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And uh, we are back to a normal episode for the first time in a very long time. This isn't about the Hart Trophy and it's not about uh, a pandemic. So we're it's our first normal episode in a very long time. And we are going to be talking about uh, Rick. I've always called him Rick Martin, but I assume Rick Martin. Probably. Um, yeah.
1: He's from Quebec, right? So yeah, he's from Verdun. There you go. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, my, my old stomping grounds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I, so I'm guessing it's Richard Martin then. And it's yeah. actually Rick Martin because he moved to the States. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, who is our eligible player. And then our a recently inducted, relatively recently inducted player is Glenn Anderson. And lastly, our old timer is George Hay. Um, I don't even know about you, Bill, I could come up with literally nothing that really links them together in any way, except that we're, we're trying to find guys who were maybe a little more bubble cases than some because, yeah. spoiler alert, Glenn Anderson.
1: Yeah, I, I, it feels like a, like a bubble episode, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, th- that's the only thing, you know, nobody played for the similar franchises or anything like that, um, but we'll, uh, we'll just... We'll just throw them together and see what happens. Um, so we're going to start with—I'll uh, just call him Rick Martin because, yeah, like, that's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> um, a player who I think the reason he is not in the Hall of Fame, aside from the fact he never won a Stanley Cup, unlike Siglin Anderson, is because he only played 685 games in his career due to injuries. Um, he is dead, and he is actually the first player I am aware of first non-enforcer to have been diagnosed posthumously with CTE. Oh, Uh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They, uh, I guess his brain was donated and they, after his death and they discovered that sure enough, he had CTE from a concussion that he sustained. I don't know, like in like 1980 or something. Man. Um, so, uh, Anyway, so because like I mean, who knows how many concussions he had in his career, right? Especially yeah. given back then, I doubt they were keeping too much track of bells being rung. Oh but, no, that uh,
1: was just like, hey, you, you got your bell rung. I, you're, you know, are your legs still spaghetti? Nope. Okay, get back out there.
0: Yeah. yeah. But I think I think that's definitely something to keep in mind when we talk about his case because he's sort of he's in the Peter Forsberg, Pavel Bure, maybe not as dominant as those guys, but yeah. and Ken Nilsson range of like. Really impressive per-game stats, not-so-impressive totals, and his career was derailed, like those guys, by injuries. Injuries yeah. that are, of course, not his fault. So, uh, Martin scored uh, slightly less than 400 goals, slightly more than 300 assists. He had 700 points in 685 games, so he is better than a point-per-game player. And most notably, for his Hall of Fame case, he is 11th all-time in goals per game, which is... It's one of those things we've talked about many times. It's weird that a guy is that high up on the list. Yeah. And it's not in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's sort of, you know, when I, when I was making the argument with various people, you know, in, in bars and stuff, and you know, saying like, you know, Bure should be in the Hall of Fame. People would be like, there's no way he didn't even score this many. He didn't even hit 500 goals. But like, yeah, because he didn't play enough games for injury. Like, yeah. Like every season he was healthy. He scored 50 goals. Look at his goals per game. I'm like, name the people above him and people would be like, oh, this guy, nope. This guy, nope. This guy, nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mario Lemieux and Mike Bossy. Yep. End of list. We're good. You'd yeah. be like, holy shit, really? We're like, yeah, okay, maybe he should be in there. let so, so Maybe and, it's a less, con- maybe slightly less convincing case, but at his retirement, eighth all time is nothing to sneeze at. That's pretty impressive.
0: And the guys ahead of him are Bossy, Lemieux, Cy Denany, who we should point out is like, you know, there's he was playing in a very, very different world. Same with mm-hmm. Babe Dye, Bure, Avechkin, Gretzky, the two hulls and Tim Kerr. And Tim Kerr, of course, as we talked about on the Tim Kerr episode, his stats have been uh, inflated a bit by the era he played in. You know, and you adjust for era, Tim Kerr gets hurt really. And so does Bossy, actually. When you yeah. adjust for era. They get hurt a lot. And um, of course, Rick Martin played in an earlier era in which scoring was not quite so prevalent. So his his eleventh all time, I'd say, is and like you said, eighth all time when he retired. Um, I think uh, it, it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, um, like if, if if you take out the super duper old timer guys, he's top ten.
0: Yeah. So. Oh yeah, he absolutely is. He, if yeah. you take up old timers, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a, so that's, so that's, that's his claim to fame. That's why we're talking about him. Um, So as always, we like to talk about uh, the draft and he was drafted in 1971. And uh, despite playing um, only the ninth amount of goal uh, games played, sorry, in that draft, because it was, I guess it was, first of all, it was 1970. So people didn't, those careers didn't last as long as they do now. Um, But it was also like, you know, it's it's the Lafleur Dion draft, so it's like there's like three Hall of Famers, and then that's it. Um, and uh, but he's still he he's still pretty uh he's pretty damn impressive despite being ninth in in uh, games played. He's third in goals, eighth in assists, fifth in points, and eleventh in plus minus. The eleventh in plus minus surprised the hell of me because of course he played for the '70s Sabers, who were like uh, after the Habs and the the Flyers. Actually, I don't even know. They might have been better than the Flyers. We're like, just like, had a crazy plus team plus minus. So it's... um, I I guess I should look at his uh, career. Might have like a really bad season for a terrible team at the end of the year there. Oh, no, he had a terrible... He had a a minus 22... He had a minus 39 and minus 22 seasons at the start of his career when Buffalo wasn't good yet. Wow. And then like the... eh. (laughs) So I guess that's why he's not... His career plus minus isn't great. Um... And then we also like to talk about era. Well, sorry. Do you, you want to talk about the draft at all? The 71 draft? Uh,
1: just, just, uh, you know, I mean, my, my Canuckie fandom and our, our constant curse on our franchise, Lafleur won, one, Marcel Dion two, and then the Canucks picked third. <laughs> yeah. And they, <laughs> and they picked took, uh, Jocelyn greve Yeah. Uh, who I've literally never heard of because I was not alive then. Um, but, uh, but he was an NHL all-star, so I guess it wasn't that bad of a pick. Um,
0: I mean, you could have picked Gene Carr.
1: We could have, or we could have taken Rick Martin. I don't know yes. if that would have been better or not. You but um, Probably would have been. But there are only there are only three Hall of Famers in that class, and I would say maybe a handful of notable guys. Um, yep. Larry Robinson also made the Hall of Fame, and he was in the second round. Yep. Um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> we took Craig, uh, Bobby, Bobby Lalonde three picks ahead of that. Yeah, Craig Ramsey, um, uh, John Rick Garrett. Keo. Um, who's one of the uh, one of the announcers out in Vancouver now? Yeah. Um. Yeah, like there, there's some pretty good players in that draft. Yeah. Uh, Terry O'Reilly. Um, yeah. But it's nowhere compared to the level of the first two guys plus Robinson that go off the board, right? So. Um, well, you get
0: down to 500 total career games played in about what looks to be about 15 players. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that last guy is Neil Ko- Komadowski, who I've I've heard of Gouverneur. I've never heard of. Neil Kobotsky.
1: I mean I'm I mean Terry O'Reilly's probably the the more um, notorious and arguably famous player because of his uh, you know, Tasmanian devil sort of yeah. uh, super tough guy playing for the big bad Bruins uh, mystique thing there. But I'd say I'd say Rick Martin's probably the fourth best player in this draft after the three Hall of Famers. So um
0: Yeah, like we're, it's, we're looking it's, at a pretty good player. It it val it's basically what do you value more, scoring or defense and like you could say, like, and I I, I mean, I never watch Craig Ramsey play. I think, yeah. like, some some older guy might make an argument that Craig Ramsey, you know, Craig Ramsey is, like, the theory is Craig Ramsey would have won Selkies had it existed
1: That's in, true. in, yeah. in, in the mid-70s. He, he is, uh, like, a coaching wizard, too. You know, he yeah. shows up on a team and all of a sudden their penalty kill is, like, off the charts good. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he knows what he's doing.
0: So, I mean, it's between the two of them, but I mean, I would, I, as someone who, who isn't about to go and watch every Sabres game from the seventies, I'm going to lean towards Rick Martin, uh, because he's got the, he's got the seasons where he scored 50 goals and seasons where he scored, you know, uh, 40, 44 and 73 games, for example, where you're just like, Whoa, Oh, (laughs) if,
1: if it wasn't for, uh, Larry Robinson being one pick after Craig Ramsey, that's a good draft for Buffalo. They end up with Rick Martin and Craig Ramsey as their first two picks. That's a good draft.
0: Yeah, it is a good draft. Yeah, yeah. Not as good
1: yeah. as Montreal's, though. No, no, not <laughs> as good as Montreal's. Robinson. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, Yeah. That is one of the – it's one of those where you're just like, Jesus. Yeah. They really uh, – yeah. So we also like to talk about uh, eras. And, um, of course, Rick Martin didn't play a lot of games. So we looked at the uh, – 160 players play at least 500 games between 1971 <laughs> and 1982 when – uh when he retired due to his injury problems and uh Mar- martin is fifth in goals fourth in goals per game 35th in assists he was not a passer yeah. uh 43rd in assists per game 13th in points and points per game 98th in plus minus um eighth in offensive point shares so hockey references point share metric has him as the eighth best offensive player of that uh decade and 17th in overall point shares um presumably because of the uh, crappy plus minus Um, or not crappy, but like just barely above 500. Um, So, you know, he is, he's one of the elite goal scorers of the era. He is the opposite when it comes to a passer. Uh And, uh, and so he's a top 10 offensive player for the decade, at least by those metrics, um, which, you know, is, is, is a, you know, this is, this is, we've talked about this before, you know, what, what's the cutoff sort of thing? Is it like, you know, are you a top five player of an era, top 10 player of an era? And, you know, I think he's very clear. He's not a top five player of an era, but you can make an argument. He's a top 10 forward pretty, pretty uh, easily. I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's, when you look at just pure goal scorer, like he's, he's up there, right? So he's, he's like, I don't think he's the kind of guy when you when you hear his name, you go, oh, yeah, Hall of Famer. But when you start looking yeah. at a statue, like, hey, he's got a case. Like, you yeah. you can make an argument for him, for sure.
0: And I when I was younger, I was, like, before, when he was still alive, I was, like, banging the drum in my, like, you know, empty place on the internet where no one was listening, like, <laughs> very much thinking he should be in, just because I, w- I just looked at that, like, GPG, and I was just like, Jesus, how is yeah. this guy not in the hall? And, you know, the older I get, I feel like the sort of, like, a little stricter (laughs) feeling about everything. Like like I
1: I think we've said many times, if this was just our hall, we we would be hard-pressed to put him in. Yeah. Because our hall would be extremely limited, I think. Like, if you were not, you know, a perennial all-star, you know, dominated, you know, you weren't if you said top five players of that generation and the name doesn't even pop into people's heads, he's not getting in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But if you, if you do a deep dive on the stats and based on people who are in, I think, I think uh, that goals per game really jumps out as a stat that I'm willing to say, Hmm, uh, maybe he, uh, maybe he really should be in (laughs) because that's pretty, uh, it's pretty hard to do and rare to have that high of a goals per game. It's just not done.
0: Yeah. 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 And we, you know, as we'll see, there's, Oh, he's talked about many, many times the the standards have, have been lowered to a certain point already, you know, where I think just like with Tim Curry, you and even I'd say Rick Martin has a better case, given that he, when the adjustments for error make the case better, you know, you can say there are people, if at least by rate stats, not totals, but by rate stats, there are lots of people in the hall who are not as impressive. Um, and anyway, um, so just want to mention his 82 game average is over a point per game, it's 84 points per 82 games, and pe- specifically 46 goals, which is, you know, very impressive. And we also uh, we also figured out his three-year peak from 1973 to 1976. His three-year peak is 56 goals per season, 98 points. Yeah. So now there's, of course, a chicken-in-the-egg uh, thing here. You can say how much of that is Gilbert Perrault and uh, how much of that is, uh, oh, what's his name, the other French Connection guy. Why am I not thinking of his name right now? They're their line mate. What what the hell is his name? I'm,
1: <laughs> anyway. I'm drawing a blank as well.
0: Famous famous French player. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a Buffalo season uh and just see who it is. Uh Robert. Rene Robert. So Who
1: was it?
0: Rene Robert.
1: Oh yes, of course. Yeah. As
0: as so said... So both of those guys were of course significantly more dynamic passers, especially Perot. And so you can always ask, like, did he just, like, obviously Martin had some kind of innate ability, but like, was he, was he, uh, you know, how much of it was him and how much of it was playing with these two guys who were pretty well suited to playing with him? Yeah, um, if you
1: want, to make, if you want to make a modern equivalent, I've had some people. Uh, I I disagree. I think he's a very good player, but a lot of people, you know, with the season Pasternak was having, be like, oh, yeah. that Pasternak incredible, be like. Some people are like, yeah, is he, or is it just he plays with Bergeron and Marchand, and that's why he's yeah. to the point, you know, why he's just always open to one time and into the net. And I'm like, no, I think he, I think he's just good by himself. Like, I think he's just a damn good player. But you can see how people would make that argument. Like, yeah. Sometimes the trigger man on the line, you're like, does he do that without the other guys getting him the puck in a like in a prime scoring position? But. Mm-hmm. Th- th- then, you know, like, you start to pick away at Brett Hull because he had Adam Oates and Craig Janney. Like, like yeah. you know, at a certain point, a guy is really good at putting the puck in the net. And, yeah. you know, that you have to, you have to, you can't take away the fact that he had good passers. So,
0: yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know to what extent they were always the same, like how long the French connection existed together. I, off the top of my head, I do not know how long, whether it was the entire time that Martin was in Buffalo or not. I think it was quite a few years. They were yeah. like the,
1: the dominant line in Buffalo. And Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo was not crappy back then. Like, they actually made the playoffs and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah well, they, well, as we will see, they went to a Stanley Cup final. Um, so, I just wanted to mention something here. We've been using, for adjustments, we've been using hockey references. Um, adjustment for era, which, as we've talked about many times, is is you know it's just it's just a mathematical calculation it's flawed and it's particularly flawed when it comes to old timers like we will see with george hay but i discovered maybe last year sometime that the hockey's future hockey history section of hockey's future forum has their own adjustment for era and it's called versus x um and you know i don't know why i didn't initially well i sort of do know why actually they they because it's a forum finding yeah. the data is harder than it is on say hockey reference and nobody to my knowledge has gone out and created a website that just shows the the versus x metric so you can't look at like spreadsheets and stuff you can't see how you you like there's just lists basically on the forum and they're hard to find and and anyway i i i guess that's why i didn't first introduce them when i when i first discovered it but i decided you know what now that we're done our heart thing it would be interesting as a to have two different adjustments to see what happens. Of course, I I picked the wrong players for it because, uh, the, uh, neither of these guys finish in the top. Well, I usually, the cutoff when I'm putting people in the top is 25 career. And neither of these guys, neither Martin or Anderson finishes in the top. Um, but I did want to mention it just because it's a very different approach um what it does i believe is the methodology which i skimmed rather than read the whole thing is it compares the player to the leaders specifically um like the leaders of that year and how far off they are in terms of standard deviations from from the scoring lead so it's supposed to normalize things over the course of the season i've noticed it's or sorry over the course of the, the history of the league rather I've noticed a bias and uh, like the hockey reference one is extraordinarily biased to 20s players. It makes the 20s players turned and turned all of them into superstars where they like scored like three points a game. It's really, really stupid that way. This one, this one skews uh, 30s players. So if you look at the top of like their leaderboards for career or per game, it's it's guys from the 30s predominantly. And so that's also skewed, but like, you know, they're always whatever thing you're going to do, it's going to be biased. And so I just wanted to mention, we're now going to be including that as well. Um, Martin is not in the top 25. The adjustment, the hockey reference adjustment, though, um, uh, makes him, um, it actually makes him slightly worse. Uh, Which is, I was surprised about, but I think it's probably because uh, it's a, I assume it's, um, what am I trying to say? I assume it specifically makes him worse because he's he was, uh, I, I thought the 70s were kind of neutral, but I guess it's because it's the late 70s, whereas it was, more of his goals were in the early 70s. And it, it says his, his career started five years earlier. I think it wouldn't have skewed him so much. Yeah. Um, but it basically makes him a 74 point per points per season player instead of 84 points per season, which is a fairly big deduction, but like not anywhere near the biggest we've seen.
1: Well, it, t- it takes him from being a point a game player, which which is another important sort of baseline qualifier, I think, for me to yeah. think about somebody being in the Hall of Fame, unless they're an extreme goal scorer. You're like, were they a point a game player, or like not even close? Because yeah. that, that's a big drop off, you know.
0: Um. So also, there's one trade. Uh, but he 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 had the he was traded after he suffered what eventually became his career ending knee injury. Um. So he was still trying to play through it. Because it was a different time, and uh, and he was traded to the uh, to the Kings in 1981 for uh, a third round pick, um, and funnily enough, a fr- in 81 and a first round pick in 1983, who which became Tom Barrasso. Oh wow! So that worked out for the uh, Sabres. Um, so, uh, in terms except of his... Except
1: that Tom Barrasso was never great for them. He was great for the Penguins. <laughs> well, he
0: he won, uh, he won the Calder and, uh, well, the, the old Vesna. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, Sabres. Like, he won his cups and everything. In
0: yeah, no, I know. But he was, he was, uh, he was their starting goaltender for years.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And I mean, given that, given that Rick Martin was done. Yeah. The fact that they got two draft picks, one of which turned into their starting goaltender, I think that's a that's hell of a lucky yeah like that worked out really well for the sabers just because like you know the lake uh, the lakers the kings got four games out of uh rick martin <laughs> so well, I,
1: you're taking a chance that he can bounce back from it right or, yeah. and the thing is back then too like a knee injury like that now could probably be rehabbed and you could play a bunch more years but uh uh yeah. you know if back then sometimes you had an injury it was a really a career ending injury and you just never played again um
0: yep yeah he played um i think he played a uh, a few games for the Sabres after the injury and then they traded him and he like i said he played four games total over two seasons for the kings um so uh Mar- martin uh did do well in terms of uh, certain th- uh, awards. He, he he came in uh, top five in Calder voting in his first season. Um, I believe Dion won it. No. Let me see. Who won it? Oh, no, that was the year uh, Dryden won it, actually, um, wow. because of his crazy bonkers season when he had a 930 save percentage. Um, actually, Dion came third in that vote. Um, but the other thing that's relevant is... Uh, you were saying, you know, earlier, Bill, you were saying if a player makes a lot of all-star teams and stuff, you know, you start considering his case. Well, Rick Martin was a first-team all-star twice and a second-team all-star twice. Um, and, uh, you know, which is, I mean, it was easier to get a first-team all-star back in the 70s than it is now. But first-team is still rarefied company, right? Like you're, That's basically saying you're the best player at your position in the league. And, the, yeah. and and they voted for him both years. He scored 52 goals. He was he was deemed the best um, left winger in in the NHL by the uh, voters. So, um, he did. He scored you know he scored lots of goals. Obviously, he scored 50 goals twice. Um, he's only uh, one of seven players to ever score 45 goals four times or oh, sorry 7 in his retirement that's of course increased um you know he 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 basically every year he was healthy he scored at least 28 goals and uh that year he wasn't even healthy he actually he missed uh, he missed 15 games so uh basically every year he managed to play more than uh, 24 games in a season he scored at least 28 goals which is you know pretty impressive um one of the neat things about the uh, about the adjustment that hockey's hit the hockey history uh, segment of hockey's future does is that they tell you they they do an elite era adjustment, like your your best years. And now Martin doesn't finish in the top at all, but I just wanted to mention it because I think it's really really cool. It's something that hockey uh, hockey references adjustment doesn't do. And so d- hockey references adjustment, you're kind of left on your own. Like, you know, like it it doesn't it doesn't uh, you can see, you know, what their adjusted stats would be that season, but then everyone else's stats are adjusted that season, too. And it doesn't really compare to another era. Right. So the, the neat thing here is uh, is that uh, so Rick Martin, his his best seven seasons as a block, they're the 48th best all time uh, in terms of goal scoring, I should point out. Um, so that's, you know, that might be something we want to think about in terms of Hall of Fame case. Uh, mm. I would, I would, I like to go by points, obviously total points, but like at least a goal score, his stretch of his best seven years is the 48th best stretch in history after, you know, yeah, the people after that are going to be all, there are a lot of those guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Uh, but then, when you get to points, the fact that he he was not a good passer really exposes him because his seven best seasons points are 163rd, which is a lot more like, eh, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. well, that,
1: that, that's the thing too. It's like, it's it's that sort of that one-dimensional argument, you know? Like, you know, th- this guy could only do one thing, so he wasn't a complete player. But like, well, there's a lot of non-complete players already in the Hall of Fame, so if he was yeah. pretty good at doing that one thing and did it at an elite level for you know, his entire career, well, maybe you need to take a look at him, you know? Like I, I can yeah. think of guys who have worse cases who are already in, so. Oh
0: yeah, well, I mean, spoiler alert, we're, we're coming up to one. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I feel like you and I might disagree about this, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things that I think is really neat about the the sort of best seven and best 10 season metric is like it really, I mean, obviously, like I said, the, the, the adjustment favors guys from the 30s, Uh, disproportionately but it does sort of give you this idea of like well you can say like by that in terms of like seven seasons is a pretty good sample right so you're saying well okay rick martin's the 48th best goal scorer over a seven season stretch in nhl history like that that says to me right away like nhl's been around for 100 years now that says to me that's that's in but then you get to hundred sixty third best season for seven seasons for points and it's like eh, and maybe not you know like um and, and it does enforce that but it 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 sort of enforces in the right word it does um point to what you're saying about about this one-dimensional thing and and the chicken or the egg or like this guy's really really good at something and he really wasn't great at this other thing that's also important for offense, and then, because I didn't watch him play, I have no idea how he was in his own end. I would guess from the couple years that he was minus double digits that maybe he wasn't, yeah, but I don't know
1: yeah we we, we don't know we, we didn't we didn't watch his career, so it's uh, yeah. a little bit tough to say,
0: but he was on a team with lots of good two way players, so which yeah. makes you think like about i mean I know uh, buffalo in seventy two I am pretty damn sure was not a good team. Uh, they were a good team a couple years later. Yeah. They didn't make the playoffs. So the fact that he's minus 39 is not, you know, Perot was minus 41 that year. Um, so, so, you know, who knows? They were just really, they were not great that year. Um, so we have one other thing to talk about with Martin, which is just the, the great teams. And he was possibly the best player on the, uh, the Sabres team that went to the finals um, in 75 against, I believe it was Philly. Is that correct? That sounds right. Yeah, they lost four two to the Flyers in the finals. Um, he a, uh, Martin uh, led the team in points, um, and co led the team in goals. Um, he was also a minus four, though. Uh, presumably from that last series, would be my <laughs> be my guess. But um, yeah. but uh, you know, he was that is something to think about, you know, when they did make the, the finals, he, he scored, he and Perot tied for the point lead and he and Danny Gare tied for the, uh, tied for the goal lead on that team. Um, so he was, he was one of their most important players. We don't have ice time, of course. Uh, but like they were, that's, it's back in, you know, this was, this was a, uh, this was an offense first team, right? Like their goaltending was, uh, not good. Despite the fact they only put up 15 points in 17 games, they were offense first because their goaltending was uh, 340 GA, uh, 3.26 GAA for the entire playoffs and 3, 3.40 for their starter. So, ooh, and 8.63 save percentage. Like, try to overcome that now. <laughs> yeah. Try to make the finals yeah. with a, with your starting goalie, <laughs> making 86% of all saves. Good luck. Good God. So, That's a how, one, man. How, how do you feel, in in or out?
1: Uh, it's, uh, it's a tricky one. I, I think because uh, I campaigned so hard for Burry to get in, I think I'm going to say yes, but a much less convincing case to me. So I'm going to say yes, but like I could also be very easily talked into keeping him out. Um, yeah. But I, I think with guys like uh, like Gardner and some other people who are in, that I'm like, eh, like, I, I, I think you can, I, I don't think there's a reason to keep him out specifically. Um, and I, I think his goal, his goals per game narrative, because I believe very strongly in that stat for a goal scorer, I, and, you know, injuries aren't his fault, um, I'm, I'm going to say yes, but not by much.
0: Hey, I'm, I'm leaning with you, and, and like you alluded to or mentioned earlier, I, I think that in a, in a different world, in a perfect world, with a stricter hockey hockey Hall of Fame, I would say no. Yeah. Um. Though eighth all time in goals for game at your retirement is really impressive, but like it's also like it. He feels he feels like Brett Hall level one dimensional to me. And the thing about Brett Hall, as much as we may both dislike him, is that he did what he did. And I know this isn't Rick Martin's fault, but Brett Hall did what he did for a very long time. And he did transition later in his career to a little bit more of a all-round hockey player. I know Rick Martin never got that chance, yeah. but like, like, I I would be fully on if his assist numbers were a little better. I would be like completely on board with him going in. I I think I am on board with him going in. Again, in this version of the Hall of Fame, and and those those two first team All Stars plus the like 11th all-time goals per game are, I think, what does it for me. People judged him the best left wing in the league for two years and the second best left wing in the league for two more years. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as I'm skeptical of voting <laughs> yeah. results from the past, I, I think that's fairly, you know, four years in a row he was on the first or second All-Star team. And he was one of the best goal scorers of his era. I I think I got to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, up next, we have Glenn Anderson, um, a player that at one point, I don't know if you remember this, Bill, you and I once got into a brief discussion about whether or not he should should be in the hall because I I am rabidly, rabidly on the what the fuck is he doing in here um, (laughs) thing. And, uh, and you know, I understand that I might be a minority. I don't know. Um, but we're going to talk about his case. He has sl- two goals less than 500, which was 24th all time in his retirement. Uh, and he has uh, 600 assists, so he's got about 1,100 points. He played for 14 years, 96 plus 201, which is very, very, very impressive, but, you know, might have something to do with the team he played on, possibly. Um, Anderson was drafted in 1979. And, uh, that draft is, uh, the, it, it is, uh, it didn't work out well for, uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess it worked out fine, I guess, but it didn't work out that well for the top couple picks because the number one pick was Rob Ramage who had a okay career for bad teams. I guess a decent career for some really bad teams, um, before, uh, before that, uh, car alcohol stuff. But, uh. You know, he was not the best player in the draft by a lot. Um, so they, you know, Bork Bork is far and away the best player. Well, I I would say, and he went at eighth, and then Messier went forty fifth, and then Mike Gartner went fourth, and Goulet went twentieth. Like it's one of those drafts you look at them and you're like, what were what? Like either <laughs> either drafts are complete like a complete uh you know complete game of chance or like what were people thinking you know in yeah. terms of the numbers the numbers the order i mean when i say the numbers i mean the order yeah like you can make an argument that glenn anderson is the sixth seventh best player depending on how you view peak i i personally would vote that brian prop was a better uh i would say better player than uh um then Glenn Anderson, but like it's between him and Glenn Anderson, probably for like the sixth or seventh best player in the league. Well, actually, sorry, that's not fair. Fifth, I I was sorting by point shares, and Brad McCrimmon is higher than both of those guys for some reason, and that's silly. Um, but uh, like the talent was, you know, like you have to go down to fourth before you get someone in the Hall of Fame, and uh, you know, they really did, they really did. Uh, like, Rick, Rick Vive went fifth. Um, yeah. But, of course, he had a... Number five, Rick Vive. Yeah, shorter <laughs> career. Um, but, like, the best goalie is Rick Wamsley. You got John Agrodnick in there. You got Neil Broden. Some players who had very impressive point totals in the 80s for a while, depending on how long they played. Mike Fellino went Third. Like the, the best players were not drafted in the first couple spots. That is no, definitely very, not. very, very, yeah. Guy Carbono went uh, 44th. Um, Mike Kruzelnicki went 120th. There's a lot of names I know. Dirk Graham. Yeah. Uh, but it's, like,
1: it's, it's a really good draft. I mean, like,
0: a it's really, a really, really draft. deep draft where like the first, you have the first three picks and later you're like, damn it. <laughs> We we did not do that well.
1: And and Gretzky doesn't even show up on the draft list. I mean, yes, yes, of course. If he had been able to be drafted. Right. So, yeah. uh,
0: And instead it's like the Ray Bork, Mark Messier draft and like Messi, of course, famously went in the second round, the third round, I believe, wasn't it? Sorry. Third. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You're right. Third round. I'm, I was, uh, I was doing math using or arithmetic using uh, the current size of the league and not the old size of the league. You're right. Third round. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, Anderson is not the best player. I mean, I, I, obviously Bork, Messier, uh, Goulet are all ahead of them. You could make an argument that Gartner is – I don't really care one way or the other whether yeah. it's Anderson or Mike Garner. But I think I think you can make an argument of a prop being better. Paul Reinhardt, I don't know. Um, and then and the guys after that I think are all – it's pretty clear. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get on some kind of stump of claiming that like Rick Vive – Is better or Dale Hunter is better than Glenn Anderson. I, you know, or
1: or Neil Broughton or Matt Snazland or
0: yeah yeah. Kelly
1: Lindbergh. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good players in that draft. Like even if they even if they they're not in the Hall of Fame, like they're they were like you know 10 15 year pros most of them. Yeah yeah yeah. You
0: know they, they it was very deep. It produced. If you go by games played, it produced. We were just saying that draft from Rick Martin's draft produced 15 players who played in 500 games. This yeah. appears to have created maybe I want to say 25 players who play in a thousand. Wow. So it's deep. Yeah. And then you go to 500, it just goes and goes. I'm I'm way down. I'm way I'm off. I can't even see number one anymore when I scroll down to 500 games. Yeah. There's there's like Fifty players, maybe, who who managed to get in five hundred games from this draft. So it is a deep, deep draft. So to Anderson's credit, being the fifth best player in it is uh it's good. It's just yeah, not one hundred percent sure it's Hall of Fame worthy, but that's another. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so era wise, uh, thirty two players played at least a thousand games between nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety six, and Anderson is eighth in goals, tenth in goals per game. 12th in assists, 16th in assists per game, 11th in points, 14th in points per game. He's 14th in offensive point shares, so that's hockey reference telling you he's the 14th best offensive player of that period, um, and 16th in point shares. And as I said, with Rick Martin, Rick Martin's two overall point shares were hurt by his plus-minus. Anderson's point shares are greatly helped by that plus 201, um, which is you know very, very high. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anderson, despite playing in the '80s, Anderson's 82 game average is 80 points, 36 yeah, goals, is. 43 assists. Uh, his three year peak, 82 game average of 48 goals, 60 assists for 109 points. Very, very, very impressive. Plus 45, but of course he was playing with a certain player. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and some other players, all of whom you know, like that. Uh, there were times, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Bill, uh, where they would have been had, like, four Hall of Famers on the ice at the same time, right? Fairly commonly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Gretzky, Curry, uh, Coffee, and then presumably on the Power Play, Messier would also be out there. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I, I did not watch uh, the 80s Oilers. I was a small child who was I, raised in a baseball I, household. I
1: did, I did watch the, uh, like, the sort of the... the the latter half of their dynasty but like just the playoffs and you know you're a kid right you don't even know who scored the goal you know you're you're seven or eight years old the you know kids nowadays i think maybe would be more inclined to like know statistics and which players you know doing doing what well when you're really little like that especially back in the old days and like you know it's like you you had to comb through a newspaper to find out which guy played on the third line kind of
0: thing yeah 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 well, yeah. that's so that's why I bring it up. I was just my my impression has always been that Curry, Gretzky and Anderson were a line, but I don't know if that's based on what that's based on. Like I yeah. I because uh, I know and I don't know. Messier. I know Messier moved around. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. He was sometimes like they sometimes had him playing um on a separate line from Gretzky and sometimes didn't is my yeah. understanding.
1: I, I so, guess if they needed to load up a line just to yeah. sort of dominate and score a goal, they would they would put them together, kind of like uh, kind of like the Oilers use cycle uh, right now, I would guess. Yeah. Um, or like
0: Datsuk and Zetterberg with the, the yeah. Red Wings, or yeah. Sjöberg and Sackic, or you know yeah. um, Lemieux and lots of players. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, but
1: if the game's not going well. Let's make sure this one line always has the puck. And yeah. Is probably going to score a couple of goals for us, and then we we'll yeah. hope the other lines can just hold the fort.
0: <laughs> but someone once said to me, like it was, it was regularly Gretzky, Curry, Anderson. I don't know if that's based on anything. That's just what someone told me once. Um, yeah,
1: well, I, I, I know, uh, I know, for stretches of his career, uh, Gretzky also played with Semenko to protect him. So um,
0: and Mixoly. Yeah. Um, so then Anderson might yeah, have been on probably, SA's yeah. line. Yeah. 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 Yeah, cuz Curry definitely. Curry was yeah. We know without watching games we know that Curry was playing with Gretzky cuz Curry's point totals from a, for a certain period are obscene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, just like Rick Martin the uh, the adjustment. Oh, sorry. Got ahead of myself. We have to talk about something with Glenn Anderson that we there wasn't really I actually skipped over Rick Martin's playoff stats, but uh we have to talk about something with Glenn Anderson, and that is his playoff sets. And I and I honestly think between the the huge number of Stanley Cups, and uh, and this, I think this is the thing that did it. This is the reason he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in yeah. 2011 or whenever it was. And that is that Anderson is 93rd all uh, sorry fifth all time, 93 goals in the playoffs, 121 assists is tenth all time, and 214 points is fourth all time plus 63 seventh all-time in, in 225 games, which is ninth all-time in,
1: uh, in a history of the league. <laughs> so
0: it is a lot of playoff games. It is a lot of playoff goals. It's a lot of playoff assists. It's a lot of playoff points. Would you care to guess who's ahead of him uh, on the probably, goals leaderboard?
1: Probably all of the Oilers from that era.
0: <laughs> so on the goals leaderboard, it is Gretzky, Messier, Curry, and the fifth guy... I'm, is escaping me right now so i'll have to go look it up but my memory is it's it's uh someone who played like it's eiserman or somebody like that it's somebody who played a very long time Yeah. Uh, in the uh hold on i'm gonna pull it up all the talking now obviously there's there's more non oilers ahead of him in 10th but when you get to points it and anderson is fourth it is literally gretzky messier curry Wow. Like those are the three people ahead of them. So yeah,
1: just, they played in that era where, you know, playoff games finished six, <laughs> five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But also my, my argument with this would be if, if you look at this without context, you mm-hmm. know, and you say, well, uh, Glenn Anderson is fourth all time in playoff points. Like, holy shit. He's also fourth on his own team for that era. You know, <laughs> like that's the thing. You got to look at the context. He's, yeah. they're inflated because like I, this is, this is, and and we're going to get into this more, but like my, my argument against Glenn Anderson is like any other team, but the Oilers draft him. Does he have the same career?
1: Yeah. Well, that, that, that's it. Or, or, you know, like some people might try to make the other argument and say he was really good, but buried down the depth chart because the Oilers were so dominant. If he's the, you know, first line left winger on, uh, the, the, the old shitty Detroit Red Wings of the eighties, yeah. maybe, he, maybe he scores even more than that because he's always on the ice. Like some people might make that argument that he, you know, played a lesser role on a really good team. And so he, you know, sort of accepted less of a, less of a goal scoring role and more of a complete player role. And he could have been a greater goal scorer, but instead he, you know, sort of played the supporting role. Uh, and did whatever you know needed to, needed to be done to win and blah blah blah. People could try to make that argument if they're a big Glenn Anderson fan. Yeah. Um, you know, like like, are we punishing him for being on a really good team? But I think without all those cups, I don't think they look at him right.
0: Yeah. So I, I looked it up. Uh, the fourth guy all time, playoffs all time, is Brett Hull, who was the obvious person to say. I don't know why I said Steve Irishman, but like he's. <laughs> so it's it's Gretzky, Messier. Curry, Brett Hall all have over 100 goals, and then Anderson at 93, and then Mike Bossy at 85. Um, yeah,
1: and if, if, again, you know, Bossy hadn't been cut short by injury, then you'd have yeah. to assume he's
0: above. So. Well, the other thing that's relevant there is, of course, all of those guys played when the playoffs were longer. And now, that's not to say Gretzky shouldn't be the number one guy. Of course he should be, but, like, you know, it helps in terms of totals to play more games, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Glenn Anderson came in when the playoffs were getting longer and Mike Bossy played at least part of his career when they were, the series were shorter, if I'm not mistaken. I think, um,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, five games, I think.
0: Yeah. 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 The first, time. the first yeah. round, right? Yeah. All right. So, um, just, just like Rick Martin, Glenn Anderson is hurt by the air adjustment. He goes from 80 points per, uh, per season to 67 points per season. So that's minus 13, which is even worse than Rick Martin. um, and uh, of course, just like Rick Martin, he's not on adjusted leaderboards um, and he's on the hockey's future versus ex-leaderboards either. Um, unlike Rick Martin, there are a bunch of, there are two interesting, well, one interesting trade, sorry, I should say, um, which is that uh, just before he turned 31, um, Anderson was traded along with Grant Freer, the former starting goalie of the Oilers, who was about to turn 29, and Craig Berube for Donfus, Petering. Scott Thornton, and Luke Richardson, all of whom were 23 or younger. Oh, so, know. like, talk about the Leafs really trying to, like, get veterans for, like, you know, prospects, right? Like, Yeah, like, well, they,
1: you have to remember, too, at that era, I believe that's when um, Pocklington started to have all of his financial troubles, too. So, maybe Anderson making, you know, who, who knows what they were, you know, a big salary back then. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, if Anderson's sure. making a million bucks, that he really doesn't want to pay him. <laughs> I,
0: I think it works for both of them, right? Edmonton's yeah. cheap. Edmonton is is ending, has already, you know, it's funny. Are you watching The Last Dance?
1: Uh, I haven't started yet. I'm waiting till they finish episode eight, and then I'm going to catch up so that I'm lost for nine out of ten.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So just just a, a thing that's very similar here is, like, the, the ending of the Bulls dynasty was a choice made by management. Um, yeah. And and it it just just like the Oilers, right? Yeah. The the Oilers decided they didn't want to pay him at Gretzky anymore, and they start and obviously the, the Oilers, unlike the Bulls, they went out and won another po, a po they won a post Gretzky championship. But
1: yeah.
0: there is this whole like decision by ownership in the case of the Oilers or or management and ownership in the case of the Bulls to like move to be like this is great and all we're winning a lot, but we're also spending too much money. <laughs> Let's yeah. just stop and uh and I think you're absolutely right, Bill. I think this was a trade that suited the Oilers uh, in terms of getting cheaper because grant Fear as well, right? Both fear and Anderson would have been commanding a fair amount of money at this point and then and then it works for the the um, Leafs who were who were like Zongfus just wasn't good enough yet. Um, yeah, maybe he never would have been for them, and they were trying to make changes. and I don't remember I'm just give me one second. I'm gonna Google something. Um, this is uh, okay so this is a year before the Gilmore trade so they were they were starting to make try to get more veteran and and be a better team but they hadn't like completely overhauled the roster yet like they totally would I mean this is a fairly significant you're trading away your star player in Donfuss but or one of your two Um, I guess three if you want to count Gary Lehman if he counts but Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I think as a, as a financial decision for the Oilers, it, I guess, I don't know that it makes hockey sense for the Leafs. It makes a like, we need veteran sense for the Leafs, but, um, I, I don't know. Who do you think won that trade?
1: Uh. I think the I don't know it's it's well because the, the other guys uh, you know are, are solid NHL players um, yeah you know Scott Thornton and um, uh, Luke Richardson played a long careers. Dafoe was a very good player um, and a, a, a more key part of Montreal's '93 Cup than people realize. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. It's it, it it's hard to say because those Leafs teams with Anderson and uh, not with you're obviously if you're uh, if you're kind of didn't really pan out for them but um you know that those players were extremely useful for for a Leafs team that in the next few years was very much a cup contender yeah Uh, that is very true with Dougie Gilmore you know like they they were damn close they uh they arguably should have beaten LA and I believe I mean everybody in Montreal would disagree with me of course and you could argue that you know they did have Patrick Roy, but the, the the Leafs had uh, Podvay at the peak of his powers, and uh, the like that Leafs team. I thought they were going to beat the Habs in the final, um, which yeah. obviously caused Montreal to light on fire immediately. But yeah, <laughs> um, it it was uh, it was very much uh, I I think uh, we think. We think we can make a move for the Cup if we have these veteran guys to sort of supplement, you yeah. know, th- this overall team we have. And and I remember, you know, like I watched a lot of early '90s hockey. um I just remember that every time you'd get to the playoffs, the Leafs were very tough out those years. And yeah. then uh, the uh, you know '93 and '94, they came really really close both times. They just, you know, at, at you know the Gretzky high stick and everything is you know every every Leafs fan will <laughs> hate that play forever yep. and argue that they yep. should have been in the final and then you know they just ran into a Vancouver team that was on fire when they played them um and you know Toronto had been had played uh, what 20 21 games in 42 nights the year before <laughs> in the playoffs <laughs> that, that sounds great. Um, and it sounds right yeah they, they they all went to game seven and uh So they, they, you know, you got to figure all that extra hockey. They were just exhausted by the time they got to play Vancouver. And I don't think anybody was, you know, they, you know, Vancouver very nearly beat the Rangers if it wasn't for a couple of posts. So that was a damn good team. And just like, there was no stopping them once they got past Calgary. So uh, unfortunately for Toronto, they seemed to run into some bad luck and other hot teams when their window was open. And they, they really could have, I think, I think they could have won a cup with that team. It's a very, very yeah. good team. And, and and entertaining to watch, too. And what's weird, too, for a lot of people who, you know, know that I'm a Vancouver fan and I live in Montreal, would assume that I despise the Leafs. Well, back then, I sure didn't. I really yeah, liked the yeah. Leafs. I liked them more. I was like, you guys are really fun to watch. Um, nowadays, not such a big fan. But back then, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, you are all right. And they were in the West too, so I got to see them play yeah. a lot
0: more because I was a Vancouver fan. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. I I uh, I mentioned to my girlfriend a few weeks ago, like because we were watching we were watching Detroit, Toronto, a, 90, a <laughs> game from '93 because that's what you do during the pandemic. And uh, and she was like, "Why are they playing each other?" And I was like, <laughs> "Western Conference." Yeah, Come now on they're on. both in the east. It's so weird yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, it makes West, physical sense. But yeah,
1: but like back then, like the western part of the league, like there weren't all the California teams. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't have Arizona, like so we didn't really have uh, we didn't have Dallas, so we didn't really have western teams. So the western conference was like yeah. Minnesota, like it was like the western Great Lakes, based like basically yeah, the Great yeah. Lakes were the western conference. It's so weird. Yeah,
0: it is very weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, my, my take on it is I, I think honestly that Edmonton should have won the trade, but then they went and traded Donfus like a couple years later or a year later or something. And so I, I agree with you, Bill. I think, I think it's pretty easy to say, I feel like the Leafs won this because they just, I think they, I haven't done the calculations, but I think they got more out of it just because like they didn't do something stupid. Yeah. I mean, they did trade Anderson away but they got to a conference final before they traded Anderson away. And Anderson, as we'll see, played a bit of a role in it. Um, anyway, yeah, like I, I, I tend to think like on paper, it sure looks like the Leafs didn't win it, but then they also, you know, the, the Oilers being the Oilers, um, you know, traded Donfus for Shane Corson, which is yeah. interesting. Um, so uh, Anderson, you know, Did He has lots of offensive accomplishments in his career, scored 100 points three times, which, you know, not a lot of guys can say and that kind of thing. 50 goals twice. But he was actually only a top 10 offensive player in the NHL three times, which is not that much given how many points he scored. Uh, But that is, of course, because he was, you know, on this juggernaut. And he was also playing in the 80s when 100 points was a lot easier to accomplish. Um. So I won't go through all the different times he score all these different points because he did a lot. Um, he was top five in goals once, top ten three times. He was top five in goals per game once, top ten three times. Um, he was top five, in, uh, sorry, top ten points once. And he was top five in points per game once. So that year, he was top five in points per game. It was a pretty good year. Uh, what year was that? Uh, let me just double check here. Um, points per game. Yeah, so 83, 1983, presumably on Gretzky's wing, 1.44 points per game um he made four all-star games he never made an end of season all-star team though it's worth pointing out um also this this new this not new but this hockey hockey future versus x adjustment uh for era thing where they do the top seven best seasons and compare it by Aaron, top 10 best he he's significantly worse than rick martin in the goal in the goal area and uh in in um in terms of points, Rick Martin's best seven seasons are are uh, put him seven spots ahead of Glenn Anderson, but when you stretch it out to ten, Glenn Anderson beats Rick Martin by a lot, and that's partly because Rick Martin by then was a fragile shell of himself. He only played eleven years anyway. Yeah. And lastly, of course, we have uh, uh great some great teams, and as you might expect For a player who was on the 80s Oilers, he was on a lot of very good teams. However, he was never the star, you will be shocked to learn. Um, He also was on uh, Canada Cup and World Championship teams, um, and that's also very... I think, I wouldn't be surprised... I was not paying attention to the selection process, but I do wonder... uh, Sorry to bring up the last dance again, but infamously, Isaiah Thomas was left off the 92 Dream Team, even though he was arguably uh you know the second best point guard in the 1980s yeah and the reason stated in the film is that nobody on the team liked him yeah and i do want and and that jordan basically jordan's defense of the decision now which seems kind of crazy now in hindsight given how good isaiah thomas is is he just wanted to be on a team where everybody liked each other yeah like they and i do wonder it's not to say that Glenn Anderson had bad years and shouldn't have been on the '84, uh, '87 Canada Cup teams, but I do wonder how much of it is he is selected over another more deserving winger because Gretzky liked them. I don't know. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah absolutely. It's complete I'm bo- I'm, like pulling that out of my ass, but it's a thought. The thought occurred to me.
1: Well, it's, it's and it's it. I I, I think in um, in, in in hockey, I mean that dream team would have won no matter who they put there. They could have put yeah. you know. They could have put somebody a lot worse than Isaiah Thomas. I mean, Chris Christian
0: team. Leitner was on it, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because they because he had hit that big shot for Duke, Yeah, right? so yeah. they
0: were like. Oh, so they did put Duke. someone on it yeah. who shouldn't have been there.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it, like Christian Leitner coming out of college was like one of. No, the I know. I'm just
0: my point being, you could yeah. have had an NBA All Star on there instead.
1: And and, yeah. and I I think the reason they did that too was because it was sort of like here's all these pros, but we're still bringing an amateur. Come on. Guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just sort of like, uh, it's supposed to be for college kids. So let's bring the best one. Um, yeah, yeah. and we'll, you know, make him part of the dream team. And then, you know, then we can, Oh, well, you know, we had to give up somebody's spots. So it was Isaiah, you know, but, um, it's, I, I think with, with hockey because the tournaments are so short and I don't know if this is something they used to think about back then, but the, the line chemistry or the chemistry of playing with somebody you've played with before, um, is, is huge in hockey. Like, look at you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Crosby got Chris Kunitz onto a team Canada because yeah. <laughs> so they're no, like, you're, we, you're absolutely somebody right. who plays with Crosby and has that chemistry immediately.
0: Or, or um, like another example, Bill is the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning line in two thousand four, right? Yeah. They went out and they dominated that tournament, and yeah. I mean, you got to you got to guess it was their chemistry.
1: Mm Yeah, you you just you know it's it's like you know it's like uh, if you looked at the you know the Sadines playing and you're like their physical like makeup as players be like they're not fast, they're not the strongest guys in the world. Like they're you know they're good at taking a beating from other players and still continuing on, but like they're they're not fast, they're not the best skaters in the world. They're you know they're not big enough to hold guys off them constantly. And yet they're always producing points for like, yeah, because they've played with each other their entire lives. Yeah. They always know what the other guy is going to do even before he does it. So like they not that they don't work on those things. But like when you play with somebody that often, you 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 get this, you know, innate sense of that person's going to do this. And you put the pass where nobody's expecting it to go except for that yeah. one guy, you know, and like yeah, a line playing together. You just get to know each other's tendencies and that it, that it just makes such a difference, right? It's like Montana to Rice or like yeah. you can go through any sport, two guys who play with each other just sort of know that guy's going to do this because we practice all the time together. And so yeah. keeping a line together, like if Gretzky plays well with Anderson or Messi plays well with Anderson, like why wouldn't you keep him on his wing? Why would you attempt to put somebody who scored, you know, 10 more goals than Anderson did? Just to see if it works when you know the Anderson thing works. Why would you? I, why would you switch it up?
0: <laughs> it's pretty clear he wasn't on Gretzky's wing, though, based on the scoring. Um, yes,
1: yeah, yes, I know that, but I'm just yeah, saying, like, but yeah, you know, no,
0: I know what you're saying. And the other thing is just, just even that it is probably good for the locker room too, right? To have huh. like, you know, um, even if like, even if they're not playing together exclusively or, or whatever, like, I think yeah. that it's it's uh, yeah, and it, but it's worth. I just. I mention it just because, like, you know, none of these things are complete meritocracies, as much as we might think these, these like, great teams, you know, national teams are meritocracies, their politics goes into them, it's just, we're not always aware of the politics, right? And I oh, just, 100%, yeah. Um, I don't know which of it was. it was, is it chemistry or politics that got him on these teams, I'm just not sure he... Would have gone there had he not been Gretzky's teammate as well, as I'm saying. Yeah,
1: well, I I think for for a lot of these, um, especially for the international hockey teams, they try to choose guys that they know will fall, you know, even though this guy is a second line player, he'll very happily slide down to the third or fourth line and not have an issue with doing the heavy lifting that might be needed if we get into a really tough game against the Russians or the Americans and one of their lines is really yeah. physical and we need somebody to match. He's not going to have a problem being like, I got a coach. Like I'll go do it. I, I do it all the time in the NHL. It doesn't bother me. Like it's, yeah. it's that, you know, the, the 98 Nagano team famously had Zamner and like uh, a lot of people got mad at the Trevor Linden pick, even though he scored the only goal against um, uh, You know, like, like they, they needed guys who would, being able to go out and play on a fourth line. And, and well, then they kind of built that team to play against the Americans because they thought that was the biggest threat. And then the yeah. Americans went over to Nagano and completely imploded. Um, and so then they're like, well, now we don't just have our most skilled team to play against the Europeans. We have a team that's sort of built to play more North American style hockey. And that's not who we're playing against anymore. Um, but
0: Canada, Canada has done better versions of that, right? With like yeah. Marlowe and Thornton or yeah. like, uh, Getzlaff and Perry playing way, way lower than they normally do in the lineup. And, like, you know, Lindros did it in, was it 2002, I think? think You know, like, you had, like, guys, Rick Nash did it. You had guys who were top line players who were very willing, uh, as they should be. But but
1: I I think that's sort of what they figured out from the Nagano thing is like, these guys want to win a gold medal for Canada. Like, it's such an honor to play for Canada. They will be willing to do whatever you ask them to do because. It's for a goddamn gold medal, and it yeah. matters. And I, so yeah. I think that's what they figured out. But like, I'd rather have a guy who's just a good goddamn hockey player. And if yeah. he only plays eight minutes, you, you, basically when you, when you pick the guy, you say, hey, like, listen, we're taking you because you're a hell of a hockey player. You're not going to get the same minutes you're accustomed to. You're not going to be on the power play. Can you kill penalties? You can? All right. Well, that's probably how we're going to use you. So, yeah. you know.
0: You, you gotta assume, a
1: hero, but just you're gonna have to do this thing that normally your team wouldn't ask you to do, but we know you can do it. Like I can do it. Don't worry about it. You know,
0: like. And you, you gotta assume that's what Anderson's role was on both of these. Yeah. Um, because his at least by points he was he was in the top nine and in '84 uh, and he was like fourth line level points yeah. in uh, in '87, which would make sense, right? Like because he, you know, he is uh, if memory serves, a little more uh. In the corners, kind of guy, then some of the other. you
1: have to figure too, like with with how with um, how, how uh, successful the Oilers were. Uh, and how many teams they knocked out of the playoffs, and how many guys tried to—no n- guys really tried to take runs at Gretzky because he had the policeman on his side. But yeah. you have to figure a lot of guys in the league really didn't like each other back then too, right? Yeah. Like, like you're talking about the last dance with Jordan and Isaiah, and the the, the you know the bad boy Pistons beat the shit out of everybody yeah. and played pretty dirty basketball. So, you know, yeah. people really didn't like them, and it, it it wasn't like today, like where a lot of players will. Um, you know, like, oh, I trained with that guy in the offseason, even though he plays for the other team, he's not a bad guy. Like, you yeah. know, I, I don't mind playing with him. It, like, and everybody's like, oh, you should put your ego aside. And it's like when when stuff happened in the league back then, they really hated each other. Like, they really did not want to be on the team with the guy. Uh, nowadays, they're sort of like, oh, that guy's okay. I played with him at the Olympics. He's all right. And it's like, like back then, they really hated each other. So yeah. that may have been a difference, right? Like, oh, well. Oh, absolutely.
0: Him. It really might have, yeah. And, and the, I think that's a really valid point. On,
1: the Oilers are the best team in the league. Let's put as many Oilers on the team as we possibly can, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. So, just the last thing I want to mention before we decide whether or not he belongs is it, he. So he he's he won five cups, which is like you said, Bill, the reason he's in there. That in the in the all time stats on uh, on um, in the playoffs, but uh, what six the, cups? Sorry. Wasn't it six cups? You are correct. He won six. I'm yeah. sorry. He won six. He, he was also in the Rangers. Um, but I just wanted to point out that of all those cups, he was only ever top three in points on one of those six teams. Yeah. He did lead the playoffs in uh, even uh, even strength goals, I believe, that year. Yes, that year that he was top three in scoring. But, yeah. like, otherwise, this is not the star. He is not a star on his team. So to start off the discussion, this is why I don't think he belongs in the hall of fame, because as I said earlier, I think had he been drafted by another team, I don't think we're talking about a guy here who scored almost a point per game um, in his career. And I, I don't think he's any, he's plus 200 anymore. And I, I can't, obviously I cannot prove that there's no way I can prove that. And I, I can't disprove the opposite that he would have been a bigger star had he been on some other team. I cannot and, prove that.
1: And, and had to do more of the heavy lifting and yeah. not accepted a, you know, a second yeah. line role and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can't prove it, but I, I think it's the six cups, get him the nod. I think yeah. otherwise he probably, the thing is he's, he's a really good player on one of the best teams of all time. That's yeah. what gets him the nod is that he was at a very important piece. Although, you know, uh Uh, a support piece or a complimentary piece or like a nice to have, not need to have on your team. Um, But I think his playoff scoring and the fact that they were, they were so good in the playoffs and he scored so much in the playoffs. That's what gets him in. Right. And it's, I think. If he played first line on another team, maybe his point totals would have been better and he would have got in, but he would only had one cup or zero cups. And you'd be like, Oh yeah, Glenn. Yeah. But he never won a cup that Glenn Anderson. He was good, but like he wasn't great. And it's so like, he's it it almost feels like his stats could have been punished by the fact that he had to fulfill a different role on that team. Um, And I I guess you'd have to sort of like look back at what like Gretzky and Messi and those guys said about him. Obviously they're good teammates. They're going to say he was amazing. Didn't get the credit he deserved and blah, blah, blah. But I I think his playoff scoring um, sort of shows that he, he was, let's say the fourth most important forward on, you know, an elite team.
0: It's like, well, yeah. But do we want to do we want like be putting those resources. guys in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, no.
1: Well, like in our Hall, there's no way. Yeah. Um, I think in their Hall, his his stats aren't so bad that he go. There's no way that guy should be in. I I I'm leaning towards a no, but it's not like a catastrophic. I hate this no. It's like, uh, yeah. I guess if we're giving out like team awards of, you know or sort of, like, just acknowledging how great that Oilers team was and that he was an important player on a fantastic team, like, yeah, all right, you know, like, uh, it, it, it's tough, though, because by the time he gets traded away, like, how important is he on the Leafs and then the Rangers, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's a top nine forward. He's kind of slowing down. So but his he's also older. Years, yeah, he's well, that's it. He's older. But, I mean, he's, even at his peak, would he have been, a, you know a top line player on other teams that's what we don't know and it's so hard to like maybe he just would have been the best second line left winger in you know the the entire league he was a left winger right not a right winger uh, <laughs> I, believe even remember.
0: He, I believe he often played left wing but i my understanding is he is he he often played so he played right and left okay um he he shot left so you know back in yeah. the old days would have played left but my understanding is that sometimes he played left Someone okay. told me this. He played left when he played with Gretzky and Curry, but he didn't always play with Gretzky and Curry. Okay. So sometimes he played right. But I don't know. Yeah. Um. He's listed as a right winger on Glenn, on uh, hockey reference. I just okay. There's one other thing I want to point out, which I don't know what to do about it because it's kind of unfair. It's possibly unfair to him, but I'm still going to say it. <laughs> okay. So when Gretzky is on the Oilers, Anderson never has a season below 0.91 points per game. He never gets above one point per game again after Gretzky leaves for the rest of his career, regardless of where he plays. He almost gets there in 1990, presumably when he's playing on Messier's wing. Yeah. But his, like, he is 1.10 in 88. Gretzky leaves. He's down to 0.81 the next year. Yeah. And he gets back up to 0.99 the next year. But then he's 0.8 one more time his career. Now, you could say, oh, look at that. That's very clear. Or you could say, but yeah, he was also in his late 20s when that happened. Yeah. So of course he's going to decline. Yeah, and, and I don't and, know which is um, which. And, and, I don't and know. The league,
1: the league, the the league started to uh, to shift a little bit more to a little bit more defensive play, well, depending on the team, right? Since they lost, friends,
0: we're talking about eighty eight.
1: I I know, but the 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 Oilers sort of mo changed. Like when they won that ninety cup, they were no longer the scoring juggernaut they yeah. had once been. They had to find different ways to win hockey games. Um, fair, enough, I, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so, that, like, a, a little bit, right? Like, not like, oh, the era all of a sudden. We were
0: still scoring started. 300 goals a, a season, though. Oh, I yeah, just yeah. looked it up. 315 in 1990. So, still a fair amount.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's still a ton of goals, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I am, as as everyone has already realized, I am the no unless we're going to say like the top five players from like the best teams of all time, who the Oilers yeah. are among them should be in the hall of fame. And then yeah. I guess I would say yes, but I don't know that I buy that yeah. um, because like it's, it's first of all, that, that is just applying. I, I I didn't watch the Oilers. I don't know how good Anderson was defensively. I've been told he was better defensively than the other guys on his team who were yeah. the stars on his team, but I don't know if that's true. But, like, that's also just, like, the offensive approach. I don't know if there was a defenseman, like, whether it was Kevin Lowe or Charlie Huddy or somebody like that who was relied on taking the, the you know, sort of, like, covering for coffee and, yeah. and playing actual defense. I mean, the Warriors didn't need to play defense. They scored so damn much, right? But yeah. um, I just, I think taking the five best offensive players on the best teams ever, a uh, based on, I guess, numbers of cups and throwing them into the hall and not really thinking about anything else doesn't strike me as a good way to do it. And I feel like that's what they did here. Yeah. Obviously not, uh, it's not all, well, it, it's five, um, right? Uh, Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Coffee, Anderson, yeah. Um, and I just I just don't, like, I think context matters and I think luck <coughs> matters. And in this case, Glenn Anderson was very lucky, in my opinion to have had and I'm not saying he's not a good hockey player. I think he's a good hockey player. I just don't think he's a Hall of Fame hockey player based on what I know. On the other hand, if someone wants to tell me watch a bunch of games where you're going to see Anderson doing things that are really valuable to the Oilers winning, I'm willing to do that to some extent yeah. to to see. I'm I'm willing to listen to an argument, but I'm skeptical right now and I've long thought he was he's one of the cases you can point to of like the hall, sort of opening the floodgates a little bit to guys, yeah, uh, I, shouldn't be in there. Though the argument you could say is, well, it's six, no one else is six cups, so it floodgates don't exist. But
1: yeah, it's like it's like him and Messier, right? So yeah, yeah. um, yeah. but it, it, well, of of you know players that live that played within yeah, yeah. our lifetimes, it's, um, we it's, know what you mean. yeah, it's it's tricky, and I I'm a light no, um, but. Like, obviously, like, in, in our Hall, he wouldn't even stand a chance. We wouldn't even consider him. But, like, in, in the Hall, as it is, I'm like, that's ah, it's a light no. But I'm like, I, I I think you can sort of, you know, his playoff scoring, you can make a case. But it's, again, like, he's he's on this juggernaut Oilers team. Like, could you just plug anybody else into that situation who's a player of his ilk and they would have done just as well? We, we don't really know, right? We, we but don't it's know like, that, yeah it's either it's either he was in the right place at the right time and was like the sort of right player they needed to play that role, or um, maybe he did a lot of things and, it, you know, we, we sort of need, I wish we, you know, I'm trying to think of anybody I know who's an Oilers fan and who like watched hockey religiously during that era. And I, I can't think of anybody. So um, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure some people in the comments will make an argument for how important he was to that team. Um, but it's, it, If you're just basing it on stats and, um, you know, if it's not for the six championships, I don't think he gets in. I think it's just the championships push him over. And I don't know that that's a good way to run your Hall of Fame. I think it should be based on an individual, because it's an individual award. It should be based on an individual accomplishment. You know, how how do you you want to con Smythe or like really... You know, uh, you know, Messier got hurt one of the years and he took over and you're like, holy shit, that guy's actually really good. He just never has to do it or never gets the chance to do it, but he can do it when he needs to. Then maybe it's a different argument. But to to me, it's a light no. But again, if you buy me beers, you can talk me into it, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) I I, I just want (laughs) to echo that. Like the only thing you can point to in his entire supposedly illustrious playoff career is that 10 even strength goals in 87. Yeah. That's the only time he ever led the playoffs in anything, and he was in the playoffs all the time his whole career. <laughs> yes. So that's something to think about. Here's one last thing, and then and then I swear we will move on to George Hay. Um, he is fourth all time in playoff points. Want to guess where he is in playoff points per game? Um, tenth, forty sixth. Whoa. <laughs> so that that is in essence my argument
1: okay <laughs> it's like, like you're just no the playoffs but just sort of, no
0: like that is not a that is not like yeah, he's not, that's he's really not low for being fourth manager. all time right like yeah yeah anyway, all right, lastly we have George hay um who uh I had don't think I'd ever heard of before uh before I was uh making these lists of old guys um And, and one of the reasons for that being that he was a, a a WCHL player first and a star and not, um, and he, he had one quite good year in the NHL and that's about it. Um, so, uh, he was born in the, in the 1890s. Um, he was an amateur player in the teens, he was younger, um, and then he, uh, he of course, like many, many players, we ta- old times we talked about, he fought in World War I. Uh, and so because of that, that sort of like messed with his career. And so he didn't go pro until 1921-22. Um, I'm just going to, uh, if I can find his stats page, I'm just going to tell you how old that, that was his uh, age, what season? He was already 24. Four, man. When he went pro, so you got to keep that in mind when we're talking about him. He doesn't have a lot of um, great totals for the NHL because he didn't make the NHL until he was uh, until his team was sold to the NHL and he was 29 when he joined the NHL. But he was he's 24 when in pro, which is obviously quite old. Um, and you know he was he was a he played when he got back from the war. He played two leagues in uh, amateur senior bef- or two years, sorry, before he. He made it to WCHL, so um, in the WCHL he was a star. Uh, it's safe to say um, he is probably second all time in goals, fourth all time in assists, and second all time in points. Um, and if you set the qualifier to ninety games or three seasons played, he's probably second all time in goals per game, fifth all time in assists per game, and third all time in points per game for the for the history of the league. Uh, that's and thirty five points per thirty games basically. Um, so he was one of at least one of the best regular season players in the league history. Like you could argue he's second best after. Um, why is his name escaping me? We talked about him. Anyway, we talked <laughs> whatever his name is. We did talk about the best player in WCHL history uh, way back sometime in twenty nineteen, but in the before before times. Um, <laughs> in the long long ago. Yeah, the long long ago exactly. Um, but he, he was on a bad, his, his teams were bad. Uh, they were good one year, um, when they made, uh, the, when they won the league and played the, the PCHL champion, um, to go play for the Stanley cup and they lost unfortunately. And otherwise they were not a good team. And so, um, he, his playoff stats are uh, basically not great. Um, so, and the playoffs we should all remember the playoffs back then. They didn't score a lot. So uh, he has four points in 10 games and they were regularly just eliminated because his team, he was basically, he was the star of like, the Regina Capitals. He was the best player. And, uh, and I, it looks like he didn't have a lot of support. Yeah. Um, so then he was uh, his, the Regina Capitals uh, were, I believe purchased by uh, the Blackhawks, like to become part of the Blackhawks or something. And so he was moved into the NHL uh, a year, either the year that the WCHL collapsed or the year before. I don't remember which. Probably the year they collapsed. And... Uh, um, wow, well, sorry. I just read a typo that I had. And it was its just really, it was like, I don't understand what that says. And it's because it was a complete typo. Um... So, you know, he his NHL numbers are not great, 136 points in 240 games. Um, but if you, if you uh, like, limit it to guys who are 29 or over during the period he played in, he is third in goals, fourth in assists, and second in points, which seems very, very impressive. And that's all I should point out, as we've talked about many times, that is all way behind this, the old star of the NHL at that point, who is Bill Cook, who is just yes. like, if you look up these numbers... And we're going to talk about Bill Cook eventually, but when you look up the numbers, uh, like skewed towards age, Bill Cook's dominance of his age group in the late 20s is like (laughs) it's Gretzky level. Um, Now, obviously, you're eliminating all the young players, but like when you look at guys who are like 30 and over or 29 and over or whatever, Bill Cook has like double everybody else's everything. Like it's just ridiculous. Like he's so much better than everybody else. So, George Hay, second best old guy. In totals, but the moment you apply, uh, you go look at per game, you realize he was very healthy. So it was 9th yeah. in goals per game, 12th in assists per game, ninth in points per game. So he was just very healthy and was able to put up numbers on, again, once again, he had some terrible luck, not very good teams. He got traded to the uh, the Cougars um, pretty quickly, and, you know, they were not good. Um, so his number, his NHL numbers don't scream out at you, but he was way older. And, you know, yeah. he, he was, he was one of the better old guys. He just wasn't the best old yeah. guy. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, it, it's just, it's hard to, I don't know. Um, you know, you say his, his, uh, his 48 game average was 27 points, which doesn't sound very good, but that was not terrible for the era. It was a, the late prior to 30 the scoring in the NHL was quite low in the second half of the 20s and then in is either 30 or 31 that it blew open but by that point he was in his early 30s and he wasn't really yeah. um yeah, it was 30 cuz suddenly his points per game goes up to 0. 0.75 in in 1930. So yes, it was that that was the year the scoring exploded. Yeah, um, and
1: just, you know, he he may have given away some of his best years that he could have been a pro if he hadn't gone to World War 1 sort of thing too, right? Yeah. So. And um, it's
0: worth noting he top 5 in heart voting in 1928. Huh. When he was a 30 year old. So now whether or not that's legitimate, um, I don't think we talked about him at all uh, as who should have won in our episode, episode dealing this, er- dealing with his era for heart trophies. I don't think his name even came up, but uh, you know, people thought he was good for at least the first two years of his NHL career.
1: It's it's a trick it's a tricky one because none of his stats sort of scream Hall of Famer um, and you know the WCHL you know arguably not as good of a league as the NHL yeah but yeah. he he's he's a very good player in that league but you know those are the years where he maybe he would have put up great NHL numbers but since we don't have that we just kind of have to go with what he put up in the WCHL and th- they're fine numbers but nothing screams Hall of Famer to me um, well he's in. Oh no, no! But I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, if if we had to make the decision now, yeah. like, you'd have to find something else to make the case. I think. Um, yeah. It's it, it's it's really tough to know though, right? Because in those in in that era, sometimes the player had a reputation as, you know, having been a, you know, the the hurricane of the prairies, or had some nickname yeah, yeah. and had had gained this legend of how great he was, and then so people just remember that. Well, he's
0: the Western Wizard, George Hay.
1: Oh, is he really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, that's amazing! What a great nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um, I would have called him George. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> uh you know, like he seems like he was a really good player, and and it's it just like he doesn't he doesn't seem to scream star, but like yeah. we we honestly, I I think a lot of players who went to the Hall of Fame in the early era of the Hall of Fame, it was like to acknowledge what an important part of hockey history they were almost more than statistically how great they were and so if he was the western wizard and was a big part of the wchl to me that's that's what gets him in right like that's why people wouldn't even hesitate to vote for him be like oh yeah he was the western wizard he was a big part of that league and then it folded he got sold into the nhl and he was still good in the nhl you know like so why wouldn't you put him in
0: i i'm gonna go with a a sort of yes and the reason being is I think I have fairly conclusive evidence that he was the second best forward in WCHL history. Mm-hmm. And as much as I kind of don't want to get on this slippery slope where we're like, well, now he's the third best player in WCHL history, and he's the fourth best player, and we start like saying all those guys should be in. I don't really feel that way. It, like you often say, Bill, he's already in. Who am I to pull him out without right. having knowing more about him? But also, it it's... As, as I've said more than once on this show, the guys who went west to play, and he already, he's from the Prairies, so he wasn't going west, but he was already out there. They didn't know which league was going to, oh, sorry, my mistake. He's actually from Ontario. I don't know how he no. got out to, but he was playing senior in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Maybe it was, he just, that's where he went out. Oh, he moved to Manitoba at an early age. There we go. Um, But like they didn't know which league was going to be the successful league, and no, I, it's I think like, it's how can it's, I? yeah, it's it's not fair to penalize them for picking the wrong league to join.
1: Uh, yeah, and at the same time, live like think about traveling back then, like yeah, just basically living in the wrong place and not wanting to get on a train every year to yeah yeah exactly go to Toronto and live in some dingy apartment and play in Toronto when you could just pick the local league where you're going to make the same amount of money no matter what, pretty much. Right. So, Like you might as well just stay and play in your local league and you know, you're a good enough player that they'll pay you to play a sport. You're like, I'll take that any day. Let's go.
0: And this guy's career was kind of sidetracked by the war. And then I don't know why he played. I don't know why he played senior in his early twenties. Maybe he just, maybe nobody knew who he was and he needed to reestablish himself. And like, and that's why maybe playing senior in Regina got him the attention of the Regina pro team. And that's how he got on. I don't know. Um, I think also uh, the WCHL uh, was new. So it's possible that he just couldn't play. Like he didn't want to go out to the Pacific coast league in, in, in 1920, 2021, 20, because like you said, he doesn't want to get on that train. He doesn't want to go out far away from home. So maybe that's why he's playing senior, but like he had this stretch where he was not a pro because of the war and then because of geography, I guess. But then in the WCHL, he's first-team All-Star for the five seasons he's in that league. And yeah. he is, as far as I can tell, the second-best forward in league history. It it feels like, to me, he's in already. It feels like that's enough to not yeah. to say, for me, not to kick him out. Um, but, I mean... Just because, like he, you know, he couldn't have known that, like. Yeah. Also, it seems like he w- was not traveling to the NHL to play, uh, which you know, fair on, like, good for you. Like, like if there's no team around, I can understand that. It's a very different yeah. time, and anyway, I, I I'm, a, I have no problem with him being in at all. Yeah,
1: same, same here. Like, like yeah. I think we we'll discussed this before. You know, like if it was my version of the Hall, I would have uh, sort of like uh, builders of hockey, which would include yeah. players who so you're like we don't know enough about this guy or his statistics are not overwhelming. So we're not putting him in like the player section with like a plaque of his face kind of thing, but we're going to have part of like the real old history of hockey stuff. And, you know, uh, talking about how important the WCHL was and that he was the Western wizard and some old newspaper clippings talking about his exploits and all that kind of stuff that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think, I think he's definitely a builder and uh, I think, you know, cutting it off at the two best WCHL players or whatever you want to do who didn't have good. good in
1: face, you know? So, but that's, you know, we're getting into a whole other thing. I'm, I'm okay with him being in based on the current edition of the H- hockey hall of fame. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I might limit it to one player if I was being really, really picky from, from each of these other leagues, but yeah. I don't know. I think unless, unless of course, they had great NHL success as well, but I don't know, I think I think it's reasonable he's in. So, uh Rick Martin, final opinion. Yeah, but just barely. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that too. Glenn Anderson.
1: Uh no, but just barely. Okay.
0: I'm gonna go with more definitively no. <laughs> <laughs> yes <sir.
1: laughs>
0: Uh and then finally George Hay.
1: Uh, yeah, I will not tear him out of the Hall of Fame for his circumstances.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so we did find the theme. The theme was like borderline, like well, you as you said at the beginning, they're we like, eh, I guess.
1: Yeah. Bubble.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bubble. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, we are uh, back on our regular schedule, at least for the moment, in terms of uh, sorry regular players. So we are going to be having. Uh, The only other player who was inducted the same time as Anderson was Igor Larionov. So next episode will be one with him as the recent inductee. And we've got uh, another European who isn't in to talk about. And I don't think we've figured out the old timer yet. Oh, no, we did. We figured out the old timer. So, uh, yeah. So look forward to that in the coming weeks. And uh, we um, we will see you then.
1: Take care.